As Cairns wrote, for, the, for those of you who are visiting, we, we work on the basis of a series of teachings, and uh, for this part of the year leading up to Christmas, we've been contemplating different themes, and uh, in the beginning of the week, Jenny and I sat down to plan and to pray together and see where God is leading us, and uh, basically we came up to came up with this idea that actually going towards Christmas would be good to talk a little bit about the newness of life and how much uh, appropriate it is because it starts with that uh, baptism. So in your tables, you've got little square pages uh, or sheets that are given to you. And uh, uh, on the back of there, it gives you briefly the idea of where we're heading um, as well as just giving you the themes. We're hoping that each week we'll have study notes for your home groups or personal group. So if you wanted a personal study, if you wanted that, we'll make that available um, online, but also we're liaising with the discipleship group uh, leaders about this. Um, and basically, we were trying to do something together and embrace this newness of life that Jesus um, offers. Today's talk is about a new start, and um, I have purposely thought about a very familiar story to which um, actually Jesus shared uh, with his disciples. For those of you who have got your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 15, and you know what I'm talking about. It's the story of the lost son. Now, that's the last of the uh, trilogy of the lost parables, and it talks about this, Jesus f- finds this opportunity to share these stories with the disciples because he wants to draw practical applications for life from the daily life and put them into a spiritual context and see where, where they take them. So, um, we're going to read the story because I think there is, there, is, there is something special about publicly reading God's words. And then um, I'm going to share a few uh, thoughts about that. So um, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got all, together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but none gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I'm starving to death. 
I'll set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. We're going to stop here. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his word. Amen. So it's a very familiar story. We've heard it so many times. We've had it played so many times. It's, it's something that we can identify with because it's, it's, it's like real life story. It's, it's a family with issues. A father has got two sons. He's, he's rich. He's got servants. He's got property. And the youngest son comes to him and he says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Could I have my money, my part, please? And, and Jesus is trying to make a point here because he, he can see that there is something that the people that are following him are missing out. So he has to bring it down to the ground and he says, listen to this story. Not only this man chooses to say to the father, I wish you were dead. But he chooses to live and to go in a country far away, distant. So totally forget about me. I couldn't care less what you're thinking. I, I don't want to know you. I don't want you to know about me. I just want my bit and I'll go. So Jesus is, is, is telling a story from a, a, a very, very practical point of view and I think it's, 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 we can identify with it because we say, well, how on earth could somebody do that? But the prodigal, the lost son, knew exactly what he was doing. He simply made, made a bad choice. In our eyes, we say, it was terrible. Unacceptable, not unheard of. But he made the bad choice. And Jesus is driving the, the story to the point that actually people say, oh, how terrible this son is and how can somebody do something like this? And Jesus moves on by saying that actually not only he made bad choice, but he continued to make bad choices. Because the, all that he had, he just wasted. That's why it's called the prodigal son somewhere else. He wasted. So not only he wished his father was dead, not only did he want to know 
about his father, but whatever he had gained, he just down the drain. So there was no value, no, no connection, no sentiment here. It was just a cruel choice. And Jesus is speaking to a group of people who think that they're sorted. It has to be a famine. It has to be a tough situation. It has to be an opportunity where actually the money has run out for the son to think otherwise. And he thinks otherwise. Now he has nothing, he has no identity, of course, because he has turned his back to his father. He has no wealth, he has no money, he has no food. The best thing is for him to think a little bit and say, what can be done now? And the, Jesus says, he comes to his senses. So, There is nothing mystical that is happening here. He's just got an opportunity to make a wise choice. And the wise choice now is to think, well, I'm just in a country where it's famine. Here's my dad. He's got hired people. The best option that I can do is go back to him and say, actually, I don't deserve. I've realized that I have said I wish you were dead. I don't deserve to be like one of your, I don't want to deserve to be anymore your son, but please, can you just give me some food on the table? And I'm very happy to serve you. And the story goes can we have the next one? Uh, that's a picture that I've got in my office. It's a great reminder. The story goes that the son gathers himself, and decides to go home. And the father is waiting for him. So in an Eastern culture, if the son, according to the Jewish law, son has betrayed his father, he would have deserved to be stoned. So one of the reasons I believe that the father runs out of his is to save him from being stoned. And not only that, but this guy who's just been reckless, who's been careless, who's been pointless in his approach to life, who stinks of pigs, is being surrounded now by this big, loving arms of his father. This is an opportunity for a new start. The new start does not begin, and we can argue about this all all together, the new start does not begin when he's feeding the pigs and he's thinking, oh, how many of my father's uh, People are hired and they get paid and at least they've got food and I haven't got anything. The new start begins 
when he knows what he deserves, when he expects to be one of the hired men, and he gets a big, big hug. That's where the new heart, that's where the new status starts. Because the father has been waiting and is reaching out to him. And he says, come home, my son. This is very powerful because these loving arms of God are really, of this father, are very, very, yeah, they're, they're amazing. And Jesus is trying to point out that part of the story is that actually this father is the symbol of our heavenly father who's waiting for us. I want to read you a Buddhist story. I normally don't do this. It also tells of a son who left his home and returned later in rags and misery. His degradation was so profound that he did not recognize his own father. But the father recognized his son and told the servants to take him into the mansion and to clean him up. The father, his identity was unrevealed, watched for his son's response. Gradually, time passed by, changes, the son became dutiful, considerate, and moral. Satisfied with this, the father finally revealed his identity and formally accepted his son as his heir. This is a totally different story that Jesus is trying to say. This is the kind of the story that the listeners, the Pharisees, would have agreed with. That you have to really earn, and you really have to, to, to make it right by, by doing something about it. Whereas Jesus' point is that God's love for us is unconditional. The Father's love for the Son is unconditional. And you don't have to do anything to earn it. But there needs to be a heart change and a status change. What does the father do to his son? He says, come home. And that's where the heart changed. And he said, instead of treating you as one of my hired men, which is your suggestion, I am going to give you a robe, I'm going to give you a ring, and I'm going to give you shoes. Which part of that tradition was that actually you have got your status back and you have not had to do anything about it. I'm just going to do it out of my heart. Shoes, a sign of sonship, heir. Slaves were, and the, the, the hired men were the ones that didn't wear shoes. Ring, authority. Robe, dignity. All these things. And, and, and this guy really knows that he doesn't deserve that. But this is what the father does. Becoming a follower of Jesus is more than just a change of opinions and priorities. 
Becoming a follower of Jesus is tuning your heart with a father's heart and seeing that actually you've nothing to do to earn his love. It's just to enjoy that hug, no matter how stinky or non-stinky you are. And Jesus is giving this opportunity to the people for, that are listening to him to give them this new start. And I think baptism is, is the sign of that new start. Because as we said earlier on, it's, it's a bit like, and this is a hard word, but I, I, when I say this, I, I, I don't mean it in that harshness. It's, it's like a funeral. Because as the water covers us, our old self, symbolically, we get buried with Jesus. But as we are united in Christ by faith, his death and resurrection, we are resurrected into the new life. And that's a wise choice. A new start with God is a wise choice. Faith, you have made a wise choice. Look back at this day and celebrate the fact that you have responded to God's amazing, unconditional, big arms. And you've said, yes, I don't deserve it, but here I am, a daughter of yours, only because of what Jesus has done for you, only because of what Jesus has done for us. We've been doing a little book talking about baptism with faith, and and one of the subjects is that actually baptism is a sign of a new life, this new start in Jesus. And the verse that um, is part of that package is in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, when it says, actually, we therefore were buried, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too have the newness of life. So Romans 6 says that actually this newness of life is certain because the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus was certain. So the comparison that Paul makes with this is phenomenal. It's so certain. This newness of life is certain. And actually, it's not abstract. He says, therefore, now we have been buried through baptism into death, and now we have a new life. That's our wise choice. We choose the newness of life because God has given it to us. And it's now. It's now. It's not in 10 years' time. It's not when you get 50 and you've got regrets about the decisions you've made. No, it's now. And this newness of life is expected of every follower of Jesus. So do you want a new start today? Do you want to be reminded of those stretch-reaching-out arms of our Heavenly Father? You've got an opportunity. Part of this series is is a a three-fold, three-tier action. First of all, we want to really recall, remember the promises of God, who He is. He is our Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally. And then the second thing is to reclaim it. Do we really believe that? 
And if that is true, then what will be different in my life today and the coming days? And then respond to that, saying, if you are my heavenly father, I am your son, I am your daughter, and I want now to live a life that is worthy to the name that you have, God Almighty. So the invitation for the newness of life is for all of us. Perhaps you've been coming to faith, to church for a long time and you've not made the decision. Maybe you've been coming to church for many years and you're just staggered and you've come today for faith's baptism, but maybe it's about the newness of life for you yourself. I would encourage you to take a moment now to stop and to see God's reaching out to you and saying, I want to give you a new start. It's certain, it's now, and it's expected of us. What are you going to do about it? Let's pray.